Almost every day as uh, my mom dropped me off for school, uh, when I was getting out of the car, especially in middle school, she would remind me uh, of this following phrase. She would say, don't let anyone steal your joy today, Will. Now, if you don't remember, middle school uh, can be a tough place to be joyful. (laughs) Or at least it was for me. I don't know about you. Because of this, I was rather annoyed by her words. How could I control if I had joy or if I didn't have joy, much less keep someone else from stealing that joy? Joy was something that was elusive. It was something that I had sometimes and it went away sometimes because of some teacher, some other student, or sometimes it just went away for no apparent reason. As I've shared with y'all before, during my freshman year of high school, I encountered Jesus for the first time as a person. Before then, I knew He was God. I knew a lot about Him, and I thought I knew a lot about the church. But I never recognized that Jesus was someone with whom I could have a relationship. On a retreat, in a moment of grace, I encountered Him as a person. I recognized that God had become man to save me. Not some abstract concept, but that I could encounter this God. And I felt great joy in that moment. And from that moment of grace onwards, I knew I wanted to follow Jesus. And I usually tried. Most of the time. My life was and is different because I know Jesus because I want to be His disciple. But here's the confounding thing. I still struggled. And I still do today. Sometimes I felt very far from Jesus. And as I struggled against sin in my own life or endured whatever life threw at me, I began to ask questions because of those experiences. Why do bad things happen? If I'm following Jesus, why isn't everything perfect if I'm following him? Why am I not free from sin if I'm following him? What is this suffering? I didn't expect this if I was following Jesus. Why do I not have joy in every moment? And friends, I bet if you've met Jesus and you've decided to follow him, you might have asked those questions before. They're good questions. They're excellent questions, actually. They're, they're, they're questions that, that we should pay attention to because we have a strange command that permeates this entire liturgy today. Today is known as Gaudete Sunday. That comes from the first word of the, the Mass today is in the entrance anaphon. It's from Paul's letter to the Philippians and he says, rejoice. Right? It's a command form of the word rejoice in Latin, and that's come down through the centuries. That's why I'm wearing rose, not pink, rose today, right? Rose. Uh, because Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't pink from the dead. <laughs> we heard about joy in the opening prayer. We hear about that command again and again in the prayers today. Joy is not optional for us as Christians. It's a command. Joy is not optional. So, but our reality, our lived experience says, well, sometimes I don't have that joy. 
So do, the, do those two, three things kind of contradict? Do they, or is it possible that they can go together? Can we admit that there's suffering in our lives and at the same time rejoice always as St. Paul commands us? Friends, I would actually suggest that that's at the heart of what it means to be a disciple. Uh, what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, a disciple. This mixture of suffering and joy is part of our life as disciples. And how can that be? Why is that? When we meet and know Jesus and we decide to follow Him, we realize that Jesus wishes to live in us and that we would live for Him. And that means becoming like Him. And He was a man who knew both joy and suffering at the same time. To live Jesus means that we live for Jesus and that He lives in us. It means growing in being like Him, growing in being His disciple, growing the habits of discipleship so that our lives, so that your life and my life, my thoughts, my words, my actions, my behaviors, they reflect the joyous fact that I follow Jesus and He dwells in me. And to the extent that we live Jesus, we live for Him and we allow Him to live in us, we will find the joy that our heart longs for even while suffering. Now, the Gospel today focuses on St. John the Baptist, and we hear about him being in prison. You know, John knows Jesus. John grew up with Jesus. Jesus and John were cousins, and he was committed to following him. He was a disciple of Jesus. John has met Jesus. He knows a lot about Jesus and he wants to follow Him. He wants Jesus to live in him and to live for Jesus. He knows that he is the Lord's servant. He even says, I must decrease so that he might increase. He knows that Jesus must be the most important person in his life. But friends, as he proclaimed in the bright light of day, pointing out, behold the Lamb of God, I doubt that he knew exactly what was to come. He probably did not expect his life as a disciple to end in a dark prison cell. In the broad light of day, John proclaimed the advent of a conquering Messiah. A Messiah who would separate the wheat from the chaff. One who would reveal once and for all who God was what the plan was without any ambiguity. But contrary to John's expectations, in many ways, God remained hidden. The eclipse of God continued in a certain sense. Ambiguity, like the unknowingness, remained. Each man was left free to choose to follow God or to reject Him. And in that dark of the prison, John grapples with the disconnect between his experiences and his expectations for what Jesus would do. We don't know his exact state of mind, but it would make sense for him to ask those same type of questions that we ask. What is this suffering? Was I wrong? John probably faced the temptation towards doubt in that enveloping darkness. At the same time, he was presented with the greatest opportunity he would ever have for his sanctification, for his becoming like Jesus. He had the opportunity to exercise his faith in the Lord. And that's why he sends his disciples with that question today, are you the one or should we wait for another? 
The question reveals that John is struggling in some way against doubt or despair, but it also reveals that he has his heart set firmly on the Lord. When he struggles, he goes to Jesus and he trusts Him. Jesus' response is to point to the signs of the works that He's doing and to remind John that he must conform himself to His plan for his life. Jesus asks John through His answer to trust Him still more deeply. He asks Him to allow Jesus Himself to live in Him even in the darkness. That's what the words, blessed is the one who takes no offense at me, mean. The one who is blessed is the one who is not scandalized, doesn't get tripped up when God's plans don't meet His expectations. Blessed is the one who says, thy will be done in me, rather than my will be done in me. John faced the same temptation, brothers and sisters, and the same opportunity for sanctification that you and I face every day as we follow Jesus. The temptation is to demand that God meet our expectations. And when He doesn't meet our expectations, to doubt that He's God. This often takes the form of grasping after some visible sign that fits our way of thinking. Sometimes we think that everything will be perfect when we're following Jesus, that we'll be prosperous and healthy and wise and have a comfortable life and have honor among men because we follow Jesus. But this is simply not the way it is. If we want to follow Jesus, we must become like He is. He must live in us and we must live for Him. And John, in that process of living Him living in us and us living for Him, that's called conversion. John shows us that as we come to know God and love Him more deeply, we have to be willing to follow Him even in the darkness. Conversion is the process of ever more deeply living for Jesus and allowing Him to live in us. John's process of conversion involves letting go of his expectations, of his own expectations, and set admitting himself completely to God's sometimes obscure will. It means letting Jesus live in him, even if that means suffering as Jesus does. Friends, the same is true for us. Our conversion. It involves letting go of ourselves as the measure of the world and following Him. John comes to the point of complete freedom in Christ. He finds joy even amongst his suffering. He will go where Jesus wants him to go and he will do what Jesus wants him to do because he trusts Jesus. Jesus then lives in John. And we know that because he dies a martyr's death. We know that he holds on to hope in Jesus all the way to the end. And foreseeing this, Jesus calls John the greatest of those born among women. We also must undergo that conversion, friends, if we are to follow Jesus. If we want to see God and have a joy that no one and nothing can steal from us, we must totally surrender ourselves to Him. It is in that type of surrender 
that we will ultimately find the joy that our heart longs for. And that's how St. Paul can command you and I to rejoice, even amongst the sufferings, even amongst the difficulties, even amongst the challenges of life. He can command us to rejoice because no one and nothing can take Jesus away from you. So how do you do that, friends? How do we do that? We have to daily examine our lives against the life of the Master. Jesus gives us a way of doing that. They're called the Beatitudes. They're like make markers of the kingdom, markers of His life being lived in us. So here's your challenge this week of Advent. Read the Beatitudes each day. They're in Matthew chapter 5, the first few verses. And take five minutes to review your day. How do you respond to suffering? How do you respond to mourning? How are you meek? Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Are you willing to allow Jesus to live in you? And will you live for Him?